Why, hello there, and welcome back to the Clubhouse with Mariano Bufamonte. I'm your host, Mariano. As always, I want to thank you guys for coming back if you've been here for these past few weeks. And if you're new here too, thank you for showing up now as well. So this week has been fucking nuts. Um, not only are we going to be recapping the return of Real Hazards of Beverly Hills, which was good, by the way, but not as good as I wanted it to be. We'll get into that. And Amy Schumer's HBO Max special, Expecting Amy, which was phenomenal. We also have an amazing, spectacular, I literally could not have asked for more an update on the Jada and Will situation. They went to the fucking red table and they spilled the tea, which I have for you all. So we're definitely going to be talking about it. We also have a bunch of announcements in the entertainment world. And then there's this conspiracy theory, which is somewhat has to be like 99% true about Britney Spears, which we're definitely going to get into. And then, like always, we're going to be hitting all my favorites, including the tech update, screening room, main stage, Netflix top 10, our controversy of the week, or who said that, a positive story, and a helpful hand of hope. And as always, lead out with what shows we're going to be recapping next week so you guys can follow along. So without further ado, let's get started. So first up in the tech update, we have Google Pixel 5 leaked. So you guys know I love Twitter, and of course I get a large amount of my news from there as well. So this is where this first update came from. Um, so user at xleaks7 leaked out photos, which is supposed to be Google's Pixel 5. Now, before we get into the monstrosity that it is, let's preface this by saying they are still supposed to release a mid-year update phone, namely the Google Pixel 4a that still hasn't been released, but leaked literally like soup to nuts. There's truthfully nothing that they can surprise us with because all the details about the the Pixel 4a has been announced already. And I'm only mentioning this because it's quite possible that this might of the 4a that people are thinking is the 5 or it's just optimism in me coming out saying like they're trying to save themselves anyway if this is really the pixel 5 the shit is ugly and google needs to do better like not for nothing but it's google like it's google they should not be able to slide with like this this disgustingness even if their intention is to not make this line of phones into an iPhone competitor like the Samsung Galaxies, the comparisons are going to be made. So at least try. The phone is basically a replica of the Pixel 4, but they took out the facial recognition sensors that created a bezel on the top of the phone and opted for an even more tragic fingerprint sensor on the back of the phone. Anyway, like ridiculous, the Pixels usually come out mid to late October, so we do have a little time for them to get their shit together before any real announcements happen. Moving forward to the iPhone 12 dummy model that leaked. So in adjacent leaking news, which by the way is going to happen more and more as the summer continues because the fall is when all the big phone companies release their flagships and there has never been a phone that I can remember that hasn't been leaked at least a little since I started following this shit back in like 2006 when I thought I was the bee's knees for having a Nextel. Like I am the shit, your honor. Um, anyway, so last week, a lot of the tech bloggers, including MKBHD, which I posted on my story, um, Mac rumors, nine to five Mac and more, a bunch of more, uh, sites got their hands on some demi models for the upcoming iPhone 12. Now with every year, Apple sends out CAD files or the 3d renderings of their phones to case manufacturers so they can get a head start before the new phones come out in September. So all these blog sites got copies sent to them. And what this shows is that this year's iPhone is supposed to take a page from Apple's iPad pro line and go full rectangle. So flat finish, smooth metals, slight curves, and I fucking love it. There also has been mention of an adjustment in the screen sizes for the new batch of phones. So reportedly, we're looking at a 5.4 inch screen, a 6.1 inch screen, and a 6.7 inch screen. In comparison to last year's models, we've had a 5.7 inch screen, 
a 6.1 inch screen and a 6.5 inch screen. So a little smaller on the smaller size and then a little bigger on the bigger size. What's still up for debate is the size of the notch in the front, which hopefully will be reduced a little and the setup of the camera in the back. Those two things you can't necessarily tell by the CAD file or the, the renderings because those really aren't important for the case manufacturer to know about. They just need to know how big the size of the camera bump is going to be so they can make the cutout and then the front notch they don't really need to know anything about that some reports are saying to expect a lidar sensor that's included in the new ipad pro as well added to the iphone 12 this year but it's still unclear at this point and like always whenever i mention about apple rumors you won't really know what the real deal is with apple until that big day in september so we do have to wait a little bit longer for some confirmation moving forward to the screening room so first up we are going to be talking about the return of the real housewives of beverly hills this was season 10 episode 9 when we left off last time they were on the air denise and aaron were running out of kyle's quote family barbecue which they did not bring their kids to Anyway, let's get into this week's episode. So I have many thoughts, as you can expect, about Denise and Aaron running out. First of all, fuck Aaron, but I think we all already knew that. Two, I fucking knew that Denise was mad at Lisa Rinna and that she wasn't there to stick up for her. I could feel it. I could feel it. Three, I like how Lisa threw in that this is what Denise does which is run away when she's under attack. Cause I'm like, baby girl, you are two for two right now. And then as the episode goes on, she's three for three. Also, I actually am turning a corner with Erica. She's right when she said that Tom would never speak to any of the ladies like that or anyone like Aaron did. And if he did, you know, Erica would have cussed his old diaper ass right out. Also, on a personal side, when these girls like laugh or goof off, there's truly nothing funnier. They have a very specific way of like being stupid and it's fucking hilarious. Like them all when they were jumping on the pole or Lisa Rinna walking around the streets of fucking West Hollywood in almost a $5,000 ball gown. I literally, it was something that, it was something that I always knew I needed, but when I finally got it, it just, it just did something to my heart. Anyway, we also get our first taste of Kim this season and Kyle's first at-home confessional. How funny is it that they're not going to Paul Nassif for this boob job? But it would have just been like a funny crossover. Um, and Kyle's confessional wasn't that bad. The audio was a little weird, but it wasn't as like jarring, like I said, with the Real Housewives of New York this week. Anyway, back to Kim. So she's getting a breast augmentation. I can't wait for more Kim though. Like this episode, not much happened, but she's just so hilarious. It made up for it. Also, something that made up for this episode was Garcelle's Louis Vuitton sheets. That is fucking me. She, uh, it was very quick, but when they were going through Garcelle's new house, um, she has Louis Vuitton sheets in her bedroom. I fucking loved it. And also another like aside about Garcelle, she didn't show up for Sutton's trunk show because she was moving. Now, like, I get it. I get boundaries. I get the whole thing. But like, the girls said this before, and it's starting to track like more and more. Like, seriously, you couldn't, you couldn't come to the trunk show because you were moving in. Like, you had people there. We, we watched you have people. Yeah, you were helping them. But like, you couldn't, head out for a half an hour or you couldn't you couldn't arrange it like the day later or like there could have been some sort of accommodations for you to to be there and it's not about like showing that you care or anything like that like this is your job like you signed up for this and you're basically not showing up which is kind of fucked up anyway rant over 
Let's get to Dorit. Dorit and I have a very weird relationship. And by relationship, I mean I watch her on TV and make judgment calls on her entire life based on around 23 minutes of footage from her five months ago. So anyway, I feel like I always want to love her, but then she does something that makes me feel like she's inauthentic. Like at the trunk show, she started speaking Italian and told us her romantic story about how she was previously engaged to this guy Antonio and then she stayed there for 10 years and then it cuts to her confessional and you see her in that hat and then you remember that she's the better half of a con artist and then the glimmer of her just fades away from me. Also, is it me or is she changing her face more than Khloe Kardashian on Instagram these days? I swear during quarantine, there has been probably six different Dorit's that we've seen. And it's, it's not like this week she said that she got her teeth done. Baby girl, we knew about that already. Then it was, I think something happened with her nose and maybe like the fillers in her face deflated a little bit. If that's possible, did she get them taken out? Like, it's just, I want to see where she's going. I just hope that it's not too much. Anyway, so I truthfully don't get Denise's angle. First off, she brings Aaron. Like, girl, you're married to this man? How do you think him coming will help this situation? It's not. It's not going to, and it hasn't. Then she goes on and on about how she's not upset. Like, okay, you might not be upset about the original issue, but you're clearly upset about the conversation, so just fucking say that. I will give a shout out to the ladies for standing their ground and really having each other's back in the situation. And even Dari, who went out to grab her to at least plead one final case to her. But sure as shit, Denise doesn't care. And just like we started this recap, we're ending it the same way with fuck Aaron. Thank you. Next episode is the introduction of Brandy into the season. And we also get some guest spots from Camille, Eileen, and Adrian, which will definitely be fun. This episode seems like a good setup for the next one. So even though the stakes were pretty low this week, next week is definitely when the real ride starts. Moving on to a little bit of, we're going to do a little like Bravo section right now. So one of Lisa Vanderpump's WeHo restaurants, Villablanca, closed permanently last week. So supposedly this closure had something to do with another sexual discrimination case being lost at the restaurant. And by another, I mean like there has been multiple for this restaurant. All I can say is Lisa's my girl or she at least used to be my girl, but homegirl has burnt too many bridges and there's nothing we can do for her anymore. Like, what's the deal for real though? Like, does she do background checks on her employees just to make sure they have shady pasts and the tendency to do fucked up shit? Like, as Queen Ariana from Vanderpump Rules once said, these are pointed choices. This is a personality and this is not a good look. So, oh well, like, I I'm done with her. The crown must be much heavier than it used to be, darling. Moving forward, Bethany started a podcast called Just Be with Bethany Frankel. I mean, I don't want to say this, but I think it's pretty interesting how she starts a podcast right after I start getting more than five listeners. It's just like interesting to me is all I'm saying. Anyway, so the podcast is going to be about her connecting with moguls who are self-made, start from the bottom and now they're here. Um, her words, because that was the corniest thing ever. I'm excited because a lot of times on podcasts like that, you get someone who's made it and the host and they have other people on and you only see their success and how they're now big shots, which is similar to what Bethany is doing. But I think and I hope that the difference will be we saw Bethany start from the bottom, like literally at grocery stores when nobody wanted to eat her cupcakes. And now she's Bethany fucking Frankel. Um, I love her. And side note, can we just imagine for a second what Real Housewives of New York would have been this year if she was there with Leah? Like the absolute iconicity of it. Which also, and another side note, like literally 15 minutes in, and this is the fourth side note, um, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't give a shit. Somebody tweeted Bethany and was like, 
how does 20 million sound for next season? And she goes, that'll get me out of bed. And then another person said, we need you back for uh, season 13. And she was like, okay, I'm coming. Something like that, which I would like to see personally. I think she has obviously left before her coming back. I think will be the first time a housewife left, come back, left, come back kind of thing. But she obviously would be the one to do something like that, trailblazer in every way. And also, I think it would be not that bad of a jump because she left so suddenly last season. I feel like the perfect way to introduce her back would just be like, I missed it. I missed hanging out with you guys. And like, and every nobody would nobody would question it nobody would question it everybody loves her so that's not gonna be a problem and the girls like they're just gonna have to fucking deal with it they've been putting up with her for how long they'll do it again in real housewives of new jersey news joe judice posted that he is renovating Teresa's dad's home in italy after he passed away earlier this year and will be documenting his process on his youtube channel called this old villa I love, actually, I don't love, I like Joe Judice. I think he served his time. I think he did what he needed to do, but he's still an asshole and that's just him. So I wish him well on his ventures, but I wish Teresa even more well for divorcing his ass. And speaking of asses, Dolores got a tummy tuck and some liposuction and they used the fat that they took from her back and put it in her ass. So kudos to her for that. And the point of telling you guys all this too, by the way, is because she was saying that she had time to do all this now because filming of season 11 was delayed, but they are scheduled to start again at the end of July. And of course, because I'm a psycho, I took out my abacuses and crunched some numbers for us. And I have figured out that if they start filming at the end of the month, like they said they were, they should only be delayed in airing about four weeks. Now you might be asking yourself, Mario, how did you get this genius answer? How did you, how did you come up with one of the largest questions this human race now has? Well, as you know, Jersey and Atlanta have been starting at the same time in November for the past two years or so. And you see Real Hazards of Atlanta always starts filming at the beginning of July and it ends right before the show airs in November. And Jersey starts filming at the beginning of March and films through June. Now, if production can match what they do for Atlanta and film even until the middle of October, they can slap on some of the beginning of filming they had from before this bullshit pandemic, I hate it so fucking much, started and be in perfect timing for a November slash December release. And you are welcome for my service. It's not much, but it's honest work. Moving on to some Marvel news. So the director of Marvel Black Widow, which is Kate Shortland, did an interview and some people are getting a little butthurt about it because they think she spoiled something. So if you're one of the losers who didn't watch Endgame yet, shut this shit down now and forever because if you didn't watch Endgame yet, you're the type of negativity I do not want in my life, okay? I do enough of that on my own. Anyway, Shortland did an interview and said that the movie will be a, quote, passing of the baton from Scarlett Johansson's character Natasha Romanoff to Florence Pugh's character Yelena Belova. Now, people are saying that this is a spoiler because the way this sounds is like Yelena will become the new Black Widow or at least be featured as our main Black Widow in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because if you don't know, there are actually dozens of Black Widows just waiting to take down your ass. Anyway, in actuality though, this is more exciting than it is spoilery because as you know Natasha dies in Endgame and if Yelena takes over the mantle this means that the Black Widow will live on in the MCU. As always with Marvel I'm not convinced that it's going to be that easy or clean cut so once the movie comes out which it should have already been but as Coronitas is a fucking bitch we will know what the true tea is soon. Next up, I want to mention about Naya Rivera's um, disappearance. Um, so if you guys haven't heard, Naya Rivera and her son went for a boat ride in the Piru Lake. Um, and she basically 
didn't come back. Um, the son was found sleeping in the boat by, I think it was the, like, a, the lake authorities. Um, and he said that mommy went in for a swim and she never came back out. Um, it's so sad. They changed their rescue mission to a recovery mission, which means that they are thinking that she has passed and it's just a matter of finding her body. Hopefully there's something that's going to come out of this story that's positive, um, but this is just so sad. Um, moving forward, there's been a bunch of announcements this week in regards to like casting, release dates, renewals, and stuff like that. So we'll do a quick fire round of all this fun stuff. So first off, the Halloween movies, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, which is going to be featuring our OG Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, OG Kyle Richards, which is the reason why she got those terrible bangs this year. If you didn't know that, the director asked her to do that, which why anyway so all the movies the two movies got pushed until next year so just add a fucking one behind the year and that's the new date um so this is a fun one this next one the cw announced their new batwoman so as you guys might already know ruby rose was batwoman in the first season of the show on cw i never watched because truly just based off of the trailer alone you can tell that she wasn't the right fit anyway she left and supposedly it was a mutual decision but more so on her end which is kind of shocking because it's the first season of a show you're leading and you're just like peacing out when the news broke they also revealed that the new batwoman would be an all-new character and not someone just picking up the mantle of Kate Kane. However, this casting choice, this new casting choice, is definitely worth the wait and turmoil. CW revealed that Javica Leslie will be the new Batwoman. This is the first black actor to play the superhero in a live-action film or TV series, and her character will be a part of the LGBTQ plus community just as Leslie is herself. Her character is named Ryan Wilder and is described as a quote, likable, messy, and a little goofy and untamed. Huge kudos to CW for using this opportunity to highlight black representation on their network in a huge way and intersectionality as well with not only the character, but the actress playing her as well being a part of the gay community. Next up, Netflix's Chilling Adventures of Sabrina has announced that they will be ending the series with their upcoming part four season. See, I'm conflicted about this. I first got into the show because I wanted an alternative to Charmed. I loved the original series and watched it in real time, not years later like these posers on Netflix who just found it. Then I tried watching the new series, which I hated, but then I actually got back into it at the beginning of quarantine and I finished the first two seasons. The new series, by the way, was renewed for a third season to be out in 2021. Anyway, so I watched the first season or part one of Sabrina and I liked it, but I kind of dragged myself through it midway. Season two comes along and it was amazing. Started off a little slow, but there's only like eight or nine episodes anyway. So it picked right back up when it needed to. Then when part three came out, I started it, but I still to this day haven't finished it. It's like the show doesn't know what it wants to be and it's not balancing well what it wants to do. So does it want to be a demonic take on Riverdale? Does it want to be a witchy teen show? Or does it want to be a show about witches? Like it, it, it's having an identity crisis. With all this being said anyway, the show is on its last leg. It was good and then it wasn't, whatever. Next up, if you need another reason to love Zendaya, which I certainly do not, but the rest of you might, she and John David Washington filmed a secret movie during quarantine by Euphoria's creator Sam Levinson. The movie is called Malcolm and Marie, and it is described as a quote, marriage story with pandemic themes. They obviously took the utmost precaution because the love of my life was there and nobody wants to see her be ill. So anyway, I'm very excited about this, but I simply must say, where the fuck is Euphoria season two? I need it. I need it. Please, somebody just give me some, give me just like a sign of life at this point, something. Next up, The Crown on Netflix was renewed for a fourth, fifth, 
and final sixth season. So if you love The Crown, you got three more coming your way. And no more than that. HBO also announced that it has given a series commitment to an original DC drama set in the Gotham City Police Department from the upcoming Batman film. Okay, get out of here. I'm reading the press release and this is what it says. The groundbreaking television series to be written by Winter is set in the world Reeves is creating for the Batman feature film and we and will build upon the motion picture's examination of the anatomy of the corruption in Gotham City, ultimately launching a new Batman universe across multiple platforms. Baby girl, they are very confident in this description for a franchise that has absolutely sucked. They need to calm down they need to relax. Somebody lied to them several times. They are not fly. They are not beautiful. They are not that bitch. And they need to relax overall. Next, the cast of NBC's 30 Rock are back in a new reunion episode airing Thursday, July 16th. It's going to be kind of like the Parks and Rec episode that happened a few weeks ago, kind of just like a travel back into the world of 30 Rock. So that's going to be pretty exciting. And finally, Bird Box is getting a sequel. It's in development and I'm very excited about this. And actually, can we can probably consider the original now a nonfiction or some sort of premonition because this year, it looks like we're, we might be getting to bird box stages. How about you guys, do you agree? Because I, I certainly do. Anyway, moving on. So let's get into Will and Jada. It's fucking true, kinda. So, they went on her show, The Red Table Talk, which airs on Facebook, video, whatever that fucking service is called. And basically, it was just the two of them. And they basically said that Jada was first friends with August. And it was at a time in his life where he needed a lot of help. They don't really get into what kind of help he really needed, but Will agreed like, yeah, our family was really there for him. Then they separated. They separated and at that point is when Jada and August started their entanglement. Like, she had the audacity to say entanglement. Will literally laughed in her face and was like, what do you mean entanglement? It was a fucking relationship. And she was like, yeah, that's what I said. It's like, no, you didn't say that. You're not owning up to it. But like, okay, we're going to force you to. So anyway, she says they were in a, a relationship and that it was really necessary for her because it was a time in her life that she didn't like herself. And it was like, really? Like, it really was necessary. And as you could tell by my tone, I like, listen, I, a lot of respect for them for going onto this large platform and basically like quote unquote spilling the beans, but you can tell like something's not kosher here. Will seemed like pissed. Will seemed pissed that he was there. And I don't think it was because he didn't know about the relationship because I like it seemed as though at least to me that he did I think he was mad that he basically had to explain their situation and I think even more so it kind of lends more truth to the whole thing that it's just an open marriage and maybe they just didn't want that out there so they're coming up with this story but really it's an open marriage that they have and he's like we had the agreement, like, you do your thing, I do my thing, and I told you this guy was gonna fuck this up, and, like, here we are now on, like, a national stage having to tell everybody our fucking bullshit. Her, on the other hand, she seemed, like, kind of, like, and, like, whatever, but, like, she seemed kind of, like, pompous, like, she, she, she seemed, like, kind of an asshole, like, you're the reason why you have to basically air your dirty laundry, which they were, they're very, a very private family, at least from my perspective. You don't see them in the tabloids. You don't see them like whoring it out for the world. Like their shit's kept under wraps. So, and that clearly that was a conscious decision. So now she almost seemed happy to be able to 
you know, share this with the world because if anything, going to get her more ratings for her next episodes. So anyway, it's kind of true, um, kind of not. Um, and it lived up to my expectations. I love the mess. I have a strong feeling this isn't going to be the end of it. I hope for Will's sake, he gets to do whatever the fuck he wants. Um, and then Jada, I hope that if my assumptions are correct, that she does some more soul searching, whether it be in August's bed or her own bed or wherever, because homegirl, that just, that wasn't it, sweetie. Next up and finally, let's get into the Expecting Amy Season 1 Episode 1 recap. So guys, I expected to like this, but I fucking loved this. So I watched Amy's Netflix special called Growing when it came out back in 2019, and it was a fresh take on her. I feel like the general public at that time had like enough of her after the disaster of a movie that was I Feel Pretty, and even before that a little bit. But anyway, the Netflix special was phenomenal and it was brand new material about this new stage in her life, which is obviously her becoming a mother and what that means to her. So when this HBO Max limited series opens up, we see Amy telling the camera that she found out two days ago that she's pregnant and with tears in her eyes, she says that she is so excited about it. And if those first 30 seconds weren't enough to make you just want to finish the entire three hours immediately, I can, without a shadow of a doubt, say you are a sociopath. Because that was the most beautiful reaction I've ever seen. It was just so stunningly honest. I fucking loved it. As the show progresses, we catch up with more of where Amy is right now. She's about to start going on tour again. So she's working out a lot of her new material, which by the way, and I'm probably going to sound stupid for saying this, but I didn't know that she had someone like helping her out with her act. Like, okay, obviously I didn't think like she was doing it on her own, but the guy who helps her, his name is Kevin and he's her producing partner. So he helps her with the performance aspects of the routine, basically maximizing the funny, which I thought was so cool to see. So back to Amy, we see her getting arrested at the protest against uh, Kavanaugh. And at this point, I think she was about eight weeks pregnant, which was actually very fun to say. Um, at that point, no one knew she was pregnant. And she said right before she got arrested, she scarfed down a granola bar and she hoped nobody caught it. But baby girl, they did. And it was so fucking funny. Most importantly, though, this episode and the series details her journey of being preggers. So I had no idea she was this sick during her pregnancy. Literally the entire episode she was throwing up and at the very end when she's about 15 weeks or so and it was the day she was supposed to film the Netflix special, she was admitted to the hospital because at this point in her pregnancy she shouldn't be nearly this bad in regards to nausea and throwing up. At one point Amy says that she's resentful that women kind of hid how hard being pregnant is and that for so long they just sucked it up and they didn't show the whole story which she is trying to do and kudos to her for that you always figured you were getting the real amy during her shows or in her movies but like this is it i mean you can't get any more real than literally seeing her puke on six different occasions in a 51 minute episode I am definitely finishing off the series and truthfully, I hope she does another one of these flyovers because I love what she stands for, being honest and authentic and promoting the idea that other people and especially women do that as well. Take up space you need, say the things you want to say, be the person you want to be. I fucking love her. Moving forward to the main stage, as always, we're going to go over the Billboard 200 and the Billboard Hot 100 for the week. So for the Billboard 200 ending in the week of July 11th, we have at number one, My Turn by Lil Baby. Number two, we have Just Cause Y'all Waited 2 by Lil Durk. Number three is Blame It On Baby by DaBaby. Number four is Hollywood's Bleeding by Post Malone. Number five is After Hours by The Weeknd. Number six is Fine Line by Harry Styles. Number seven is The Goat by Polo G. Number eight is Eternal Take by Lil Uzi Vert. Number nine is Dark Lane's Demo Tapes by Drake. 
And number 10 is High Off Life by Future. Moving forward to the Hot 100, ending in the week of July 11th. At number one, we have Rockstar by DaBaby featuring Roddy Rich. Number two is What's Poppin' by Jack Harlow featuring DaBaby, Tory Lanez, Lil Wayne. Number three is Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Number four is Savage by Megan Thee Stallion featuring Beyonce. And number five is Roses by St. John. Moving down to number 95, we have Righteous by Juice World. Number 96 is a new entry, Rags to Riches by Rod Wave featuring ATR Sun Sun. Number 97 is My Truck by Breland. Number 98 is X by Jonas Brothers featuring Carol G. Number 99 is a new entry called I Called Mama by Tim McGraw. And number 100 is Shot of Flow 5 by NLE Choppa. Moving forward to new releases for this week. So Juice World had an album that came out after, unfortunately, he passed away at the end of last year. Um, it is called Legends Never Die, and it was really great. Um, he was a talent taken way too soon. Um, like I said last week about Pop Smoke, I have like a weird thing with um, albums that came out after somebody passed away. I just, as I said last week, I hope the, the right intentions were there. It wasn't just a money grab for the label or to fill some sort of contract because mu the music industry is very fucking fucked up in a lot of ways. And there has been stories, not about, not about this album, but there has been stories in the past that if, the family or the estate of the artist didn't release either leftover tracks or whatever they had, the family or the estate would have to basically come up with the money that the music would have brought in. So that's what I mean when I say that. But that that kind of situation hasn't been brought up, at least as far as I know, about Juice World's album coming out. Um, as far as I know, it was kind of like a unanimous decision, mutual decision to put this good stuff out, which it was really good. Um, Come and Go by him and Marshmallow and Life's a Mess by Juice World and Halsey were my two favorite tracks and fucking phenomenal. So definitely go listen to that. We also had Summer Walker released My Affection with Party Next Door. That was great. Katy Perry had some announcements as well as a release. So she first announced that her new album is called Smile and it is coming out August 14th. And she released her title track, Smile, this past week. So it's good. Basically, the album is set in this world of her basically flopping during the last Witness era, her last album era. So this whole album is basically her getting her smile back, which is haha ha, the name of the fucking song. Um, the artwork looks terrible. Um, so there's that really, um, that really encouraging point. And then the song is pretty good. They said it was made in 2017 and you definitely realize that it was. I'll say that, but... Let's just hope for the best for my girl because clearly she needs it. Next up, we have Kane Brown, Sway Lee, and Khalid released Be Like That. This is actually probably one of my favorites of the week. Her released Due to Me. Kid Cudi released The Adventures of Moon Man and Slim Shady featuring none other than Eminem. James Blake released Are You Even Real? Black Bear released Queen of Broken Hearts, Phenomenal. Jimmy Allen and Nelly released Good Times Roll. Tim McGraw released Here on Earth. Carol G released Adios Mio. Megan Trainer has a re-release of her album Treat Myself coming out next week, but she released a new song that's going to be included called Make You Dance, another good one. A Look, Martin Jensen and Jason Derulo released Don't Cry For Me. Foster the People released The Things We Do. Oh my God, this is also another one of my favorites. F2020 by Avenue Beat. So they are a brand, I don't know how new they are, but they're new to the scene. They're new to me. 
I saw this song on Instagram, loved it. And then I saw that it wasn't on any streaming services. So I was like, what the fuck? It's just on like TikTok or something. They released it on streaming. It's everywhere now. If you haven't heard it, go fucking listen to it. It's about this year. It's phenomenal. Becky G released My Man. Zara Larson, I love her music. Love her music. She has not had a new album come out since her debut, which was so good. I don't know why she keeps releasing these singles. I need a full project from her immediately. She released Love Me Land. And finally, Kiki Palmer, my fucking queen, released Snack. Next up, Bad Bunny makes history as Playboy's first ever digital cover star and only the second man to ever get a solo cover. In his story, he talks about being an LGBTQ ally and how he makes his genre-bending music. Good for him. He's all about the good vibes, and that's truly what I love. Also, Mariah Carey is writing a book. It's up for pre-order this week, and the release date is September 29th, and it's being published by Andy Cohen's company. Ooh, Andy. Do I also get a chunk of the book publishing when I take over your clubhouse? <laughs> I forgot about that. So there's that, which so now everybody knows what I'm doing on September 29th. To close out the main stage, we're going to be talking about the hashtag Free Britney campaign. Okay, so this is a very touchy subject because I feel bad for her. If you guys haven't heard, Britney Spears is under a conservatorship by her father. So back in 2007, 2008, when she had the whole shaving her head, um, fucking clubbing a car situation, her dad put her under a conservatorship for a year. A conservatorship basically means that you cannot do anything without asking that person, being under that person's supervision. So let's say she wanted to drive her car. She can't do that. Let's say she wanted to access her bank accounts. She couldn't do that. Let's say she wanted to leave her house. She could not do that without asking her dad. At the time, still then, we really don't know whether or not this was, let's say, necessary. Clearly, it seemed like it based on the state that she was in back then. But to do it 12 years later is pretty fucking ridiculous. Anyway, so she's still under this conservatorship. People have been saying she's been acting very erratic on social media. It's you kind of have to agree with it. She doesn't look like she's really in the best state of mind or very let's say, healthy looking. So people have been making this campaign. It's been like growing and growing and growing. Finally, this week, somebody says to her on Instagram, somebody comments on her Instagram post, if you need help in the next post, wear a yellow shirt. Sure as fucking shit, in her next post, she wears a yellow shirt. So everybody was like, what the fuck? And... In her caption, she mentions about how much she loves her yellow shirt. So it's like, it, there, it couldn't, this could not be a coincidence. It could not be a coincidence. And then the next day after that, somebody says again, wear a blue shirt. Sure as shit, next post, she's wearing a blue shirt. And she mentions it in her caption again. It's like, the signs are all there. Everything's there. And then people are asking, so why isn't she doing anything? If she doesn't want to be in this conservatorship, why hasn't anybody appealed it? They have. They've tried. Her mom tried to sue her father to be, I think it was to be a part of the conservatorship. They denied it. Then everybody says, okay, so why doesn't Brittany do anything? So supposedly the father, which was at, at one point she tried to get the father out of the conservatorship, how she tried to get her father out of the conservatorship is that they claim that he abused one of her sons. Um, but clearly, for whatever reason, it didn't stick. So people are kind of maybe guessing that it's basically a horrible situation in that she shuts her mouth or he hurts her son which is terrible to even say or to think is the case but something's not fucking adding up here and then to top this all off yesterday her old director slash photographer went on tiktok and did this five-part series 
um, reading out loud a note that she gave to him right as the conservatorship was starting, or I'm sorry, right when the conservatorship was supposed to end the first time, because it was only supposed to be for a year. So she gave him this letter and it basically said, it was her writing in the third person. So the entire time she's calling herself Brittany, saying that Brittany doesn't deserve this. Obviously, Brittany was not in the state of mind, like in the, the right state of mind back then. But for this conservatorship to go on any longer is not right. All she wants to do is be with her sons. She wants to protect her sons. And everybody, nobody understood what Brittany was going through at that time because everybody was taking everybody else's accounts as truth and nobody was listening to her. Everybody thought that her ex-husband, Kevin Fuckerline, whatever his name is, was the bee's knees and, and he was, you know, living this tragic life having to deal with her, but nobody knew that he was waking up every morning and waking and baking and she was saying all these things. If you want, Google it. You'll definitely be able to find it. Um, this shit's fucked up. I hope it's, I hope something happens or I, I hope somebody gives us something like real, like, okay, you guys like went too far this time or like maybe we could get her out of it. I don't know, but this is really upsetting. So with that, let's move on to Netflix top 10. So before we get started, um, I just want to say that season three of Dead to Me is in the works, and I think it's the final season also. And if you're keeping track at home, this is week 47 that I'm still not watching Dead to Me. And you would think the fact that the ending is imminent would make me start because the commitment is low, but nay, I'm still here, back on my bullshit, doing what I do. Anyway, let's get into the top 10. So, number one is The Old Guard. What is this? Four undying warriors who secretly protected humanity for centuries become targeted for their mysterious powers just as they discover a new immortal. With Charlize Theron. Oh, okay. I'll take it. I will take it. Okay, but the more like this is Six Underground, The Last Days of American Crime, and Lost Bullet, which does not give me any hope. But, um, yeah, you guys can be the judge of this one for me. Number two is Unsolved Mysteries. Um, I am planning on watching that ASAP. Number three is The Lorax by Dr. Seuss, my man, the man himself. Number four is Warrior Nun. So I don't know if you guys saw the trailer for this, but I will read the little description. After waking up in a morgue, an orphaned teen discovers she now possesses superpowers as the chosen halo bearer for a secret sect of demon hunting nuns. Please just get out of here. Why? Who needs that? The trailer looks terrible. It looks like literally, well, the description does a very good job of describing, at least we have that, they're demon hunting nuns and they all have like these little rings and their backs. It's very fucking weird. Number five is The Epic Tales of Captain Underpants in Space. Okay, this book was my shit back in the day. I can't say anything bad about this. Number six is Down to Earth with Zac Efron. So we might have dodged a bullet with this one, guys, because last week I mentioned that we were possibly going to do this instead of expecting Amy. And the reviews are in. And everybody says it is very boring. It's very boring. They said it's Zac Efron being Zac Efron. Um, at one point, he's literally tasting waters. Um, so there's that. Um, and no, we're not doing it. Number seven, The Babysitter's Club is back in the top tens. Number eight is Desperados. So this is, after drunkenly sending a cringeworthy email, hopeless romantic Wes heads to Mexico with her best friends to erase the note before her new love reads it. Okay, so this is to all the boys I loved, but with people who are in their late 20s and with an email instead of a note. So... That should have been indicator enough that this movie is not going to be a good one. Number nine is Floor is Lava. Wow, our show, man, it's really, it's staying strong. It is still here. Good for them. And number 10 is Only. 
So this, a couple must endure a self-imposed quarantine. Okay, goodbye, 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 goodbye. Who wants to watch this? Who, why are you guys all watching this? We're in a quarantine. Look at your own lives. You really want more? You want more of this? I don't, I'm not watching a single fucking quarantine bullshit movie that comes out after this is all said and done. Like in five years when they decide to do pandemic. No, no, I don't want to see your spins. I don't want to see what you, what you went through during this time. No. I don't want it. I don't care. I've been through it enough. I've been here for it. And I don't care about what you're doing during it because I'm living it myself. Okay? Bitch. Okay, rant over. So, moving on to who said they. Okay, so remember the story I said about Lady Antebellum changing their name to Lady A after they realized the names ties to some racist shit and i also said that it feels like they did it with good intentions and that it wasn't pressured well unfortunately i spoke too soon because as usual everybody disappoints me so supposedly they're suing anita white who is a black woman and a blues singer who goes by the name of lady a so they decided to sue her so that they can own the name are you fucking kidding me you really think that you're so important and entitled that you should sue someone for using the name that you now want to use that she's been using for decades at this point? Your name change was done in the name of Black Lives Matter? I mean, seriously, like, did anyone think this through? I, I see, like, I hate everyone. Ugh. All right, moving forward to a helpful hand to vote. I also love that we do they the, like, most annoying story and the most positive story like right next to each other kind of like to offset it i'm just i am all about balance i'm a pillar of health so in the helpful hand of hope my favorite kind of quote is one that drags you a little bit when you read it and not because i love a good read but because if you caught the read it's because it's the truth at least for yourself so this week i have a tweet actually from at long live lisa from twitter that says listen if these people can get on tiktok and amass millions of followers and stands for doing nothing if selena gomez can get in a studio and constantly sing songs there is no reason for you to be delaying that youtube channel or beginning that music career and to that i say fuck yeah do it you deserve to do whatever that looks like for yourself so fucking do it here's here's the sign that you've been waiting for fucking go for it okay let's land this plane so for next week's topics we are going to be actually changing it up a little bit so i was thinking about doing unsolved mysteries but i think we're gonna go for a bigger bigger project so we're just gonna do one thing for next week it's going to be the palm springs movie on hulu with andy sandberg and Kristen militoy 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 um i fuck up the names we already had this discussion but um it looks phenomenal it's about basically they both get into this time loop and they have to find their way out of it and everybody really loves it on twitter and that's clearly how i make all my life decisions so we're gonna go with that um and yeah so let's see how it goes so as always thank you for coming thank you for having me and andy i'll see you soon